The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Will you have your Bibles? Come on, open up to John chapter 4, and we're going to continue this series uh, that we've started on miracles. And the series simply covers the seven miracles in the book of John. And each of the miracles has a very powerful message for us. Uh, Last week, we covered the first miracle in the book of John, and that was turning water into wine, when Jesus turned water into wine. And that was the whole message behind that is that God is into miracles of conversion. And he's able to bring a miracle of conversion in your life. This week, we're going to be looking at the healing of the nobleman's son. And incidentally, what Christelle did for communion, there was we, we never talked. It was like, yep, go for it, sing the song. And uh, the Holy Spirit just connected the dots. And you'll see this morning how the dots connect as well. We're going to be talking about the healing of the nobleman's son, um, which is the miracle of breakthrough. And that's what... This morning's all about how many of you need a breakthrough in your life? You need a breakthrough? Well, let me share with you the the key to breakthrough is what's found in this miracle. So let's read together John chapter 4. Let's read from verses 46 to 54. This is what it says. So Jesus came again to Cana. So he was there for the miracle of water to wine, the the, the wedding. He came again to Cana of Galilee, where he'd made the water uh, wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he'd heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will, be, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. As he was going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then the nobleman inquired of them, The hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Can I just say that this was the second miracle in Galilee, not the second miracle that Jesus did. Jesus did many miracles when he went down into Jerusalem uh, previously. This is the second miracle in Galilee, but it's also the second miracle in the book of John. And uh, let me just introduce the story. Let's, uh, let's talk about the nobleman. Who was the nobleman? Well, the nobleman was a royal official from the court of King Herod. King Herod Antipas, the one that, that um, wanted Jesus to do miracles. Remember the one who uh, handed, Pilate handed Jesus to? So this royal official, this nobleman, was a royal official in the court of Herod. This nobleman lived in a place called Capernaum. Jesus eventually made his base in Capernaum. But at this stage, Jesus was in Cana. And Cana is about 25 kilometers 
to the west of Capernaum. Capernaum is on the Sea of Galilee. Cana is in the Judean Galilean hills. And there's a hill network that runs from uh, Jerusalem up into the Galilee. And Cana is, uh, is, is one of those villages in the hills of Galilee. And it's about 25 kilometers from Capernaum. And so Jesus uh, was previously in Jerusalem. He'd gone to uh, celebrate the Passover. And incidentally, whenever the Passover was on, Jesus uh, always would go to the Passover. Matter of fact, even at 12 years of age, he went to the Passover from Nazareth. And that's where he got lost in Jerusalem. Well, his parents lost him. He wasn't lost. Maybe the parents were lost, but Jesus wasn't lost. Remember the story of 12 years of age? Again, what we find is that every Passover, Jesus would do the journey to Jerusalem. And so was the case here. And when he was in Jerusalem, this first trip as the Messiah, that's when he cleansed the temple chased out the money changers, and then later did some miracles and prayed for people. They got healed. And so what happened now is on his way back to Galilee, goes past Samaria, meets the woman at the well, has a revival in Samaria, and then moves up into Cana. And people had heard that Jesus was back in Galilee, and they gathered because some of them had witnessed the miracles, had seen the miracles, and then someone told the nobleman, hey, Jesus is back in Galilee. His son was incredibly sick. And so consequently, he made his way, the 25 kilometers, to go and ask Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son. So the first point that I want to make is this. Desperation is a trigger to miracles. Desperation is a trigger to miracles. This man was desperate. Get hold of this. He was of the royal household. He was a royal official, King Herod. Can I just say to you that he had available to him the best of the doctors, the best of the medicine, and I guarantee that his first course of action was to seek help from the best of the doctors, the best of the specialists of those days. But nothing was able to help. Nothing was able to solve their situation. How many of you know that all of us We'll always go to the natural before we go to the supernatural. We'll always try, first of all, let's take a Panadol. Let's take a Codrol. Let's take lemon and honey, chamomile tea. That was my favorite for my parents. When I was a kid growing up, it was chamomile tea. That was it. That was the cure-all of everything. They would say, drink a cup of, of chamomile tea. That was, uh, that was the go-to cure. I guarantee they would have tried... All of that, but nothing happened. And so what happened is that this royal official goes to see Jesus. And uh, the Bible says that when he found Jesus, he implored him to come down and heal his son. That word implored is such a powerful word. Because when, when you do a word study of the word implored, it shows desperation. It shows absolute, utter despair. Please, I'm at the end of myself. I've tried everything. Nothing has worked. You're my last chance, God. Implored, prayed, desperate, passionate. Every word that you can think of, it's, it's in that word implored. And then Jesus sort of puts him aside for a second 
and starts a teaching series. I love this. A discourse. It's like, okay, just wait there for a second. I want to talk not only to you, but I want to talk to the crowds. And I want to make two very important teaching points. Okay? So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to press pause on the miracle, and I'm going to make two very important teaching points. The first teaching point that Jesus wanted to address was the current paradigm. So the current paradigm, the thought of the day, the thought that still is the paradigm and the thought of today, and here it is. I won't believe until I see it. And if I see it, I'll believe it. But if I don't see it, I won't believe it. And so the whole context of this is that people had actually gathered around Jesus because they'd seen the miracles. And now it was, wow, you're going to show us some more. And so he's this guy. He's come up and, and uh, you know, wow, I've heard about the miracles. Would you come down and show us one? We, we want, and so Jesus is addressing this whole paradigm of why is it that before you believe, you've got to see it? Because Jesus want, wanted to introduce them to the second paradigm, which is this. If you believe it, you'll see it. So this is the paradigm of faith. You've got to believe it, and then you see it. Their paradigm was, first I want to see it, then I believe it. How many people do you know that don't believe in God because God hasn't appeared in their room and spoken to them audibly? And so their whole attitude is, if God comes into my room and speaks to me audibly, then I'll believe. You know, if, and, and so it's, if God does this, I'll believe. And if God does that, and if I see this, I'll believe. And it's like, no, that's not the paradigm that God wants you to come into. The paradigm is, first you believe, and then you see. And you know what? This whole theme of belief, it just, it, it, it's, it's infused in the book of John. And this, whole, and this whole teaching of, of you've got to believe and then you see and there's a blessing attached to believing and see. It, it goes all the way through right to the end of John. And who knows the famous story that happened at the end of John that actually addresses this paradigm. It's the story of Thomas. So what had happened after the resurrection, some of the disciples had seen Jesus and they tell Thomas, we've seen the resurrected Jesus. And what does Thomas say in John chapter 20, verse 24? This is what he, this is what he says in verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 25. Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, wasn't with Jesus. And then what he, this is what he says. The other disciples said, we have seen Jesus. And this is what Thomas said. Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails... And put my finger in the print of his nails and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. That's what he said. And then, and then Jesus appears to, Moses, uh, to, to Thomas and he says to this, he says this, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But here it is, the new paradigm. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those. And so here's the, here's, the, here's the whole lesson that Jesus is trying to get, us, to get us to grab hold of. Come on, you've got to believe first. You've got to believe. The whole book of John is about believing, believing, believing. Jesus came to, to teach us to believe. 
For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This whole theme of believing for as many as received him to them gave you the power to become children of God. As many as believed in him. It's the theme through the book of John. Believe, believe, believe. What do you believe? Because what you believe controls your life. The, the nobleman now, he's focused not on the teaching point, but on, on his son. And so here's Jesus given the teaching. Here's Jesus given the discourse. You know, unless you people believe, you'll not see. And he's kind of saying, will you get a, come on, get this sermon over and done with. My son is dying. Some of you are saying, come on, get this sermon over and done with. I'm desperate here. Come on, get, uh, let's get to the point here. My son is dying. And he says, sir, will you come down? Will you come down? Before my child dies. I love the word sir. I'm not sure that we really get the full significance of this word. It's the Greek word karios. Throughout the Bible, it's more often translated Lord. Probably the best word for us is master. Here's a nobleman from the king's court calling Jesus my master. My master. My sovereign one, my sovereign one, my king, my master. Can I tell you, as soon as you start calling Jesus Lord, he gets your, you get his attention. There's just something about that word Lord that shows humility. And so desperation in so many cases brings humility. And how many of you know that, that unless we humble ourselves, we can't receive anything from God? And what's sad is that for most people, the only way they can get humbled is through desperation. For so many people, they've got to come to the point of despair before they get humbled. And you know what? Too often we're constantly running away from breaking points, but the breaking points are the triggers to miracles. And too often what happens is this, is that actually God paints us into a corner. And we think it's the devil painting us into a corner. And we're rebuking the circumstances and situations that have painted us into a corner. And we're hating the fact that we're painted into a corner. But it's God saying, it's in the corner that you get humbled. It's in the corner that you become desperate. It's in the corner that you begin to call out, Lord, I've reached the end of the line. There's nowhere for me to turn to but you. And that's the trigger to a miracle. And so here he is. Lord Jesus, sir, would you come down before my child dies? He could die at any point now. I don't know what else to do. Let me humble myself. Sir, would you come? And then Jesus speaks the word. I love this. Just the response. Go your way. Your son lives. You know what? It was just the word that Jesus spoke. Go your way. Your son lives. It was the word. It was the word. It was the breakthrough. And he had a choice. And what was his choice? No, I'm not going to go my way. You need to come. I'm not going to believe that your word will heal him. It's your presence that heals him. No, I, I'm, I'm not going. We've got a choice whether we believe the word or reject the word. And sometimes the word is a tough word. 
Just go your way. Your son's healed. 25 kilometers away. I haven't seen anything. I've not got a text message. <laughs> haven't got a phone call. I haven't got an email. I'm, he's 25 kilometers. How many, how, many of you, how many of you know how far 25 kilometers is? I, I walked yesterday 21 kilometers. Just in preparation for this message. How many of you know that's research right there? Okay. Took me four hours to do 21 kilometers. So to do another four Ks, um, five hours at the most. Okay, five hours. So in those days, no cars, no motorbikes, no push bikes. You walked the distance. Five, five hours distance between Capernaum and Cana. So he had no notice. No no notice whatsoever. But the Bible says that when Jesus spoke the word, he believed. And you say, John, how do you know this? Well, he just left Jesus. And not only that, but I believe that what happened was that peace came into his soul. Why is that? The panic left. How many of you can feel the panic in this guy fighting Jesus? But all of a sudden, the panic leaves and peace comes. You say, how do you know this? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because I kind of feel that he went, had a meal, probably found a place to bed down the night and had a sleep. Because the Bible tells us that it was around the seventh hour, which is about 1 p.m. Now, I've done the journey, 25 Ks. I can do that in five hours. So if I was still panicking, I would have absolutely run home. Maybe done it in four hours. Maybe done it in three hours. Maybe from a good runner, two and a half hours. But, but not the nobleman. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us that he actually did his journey the next day. And when he was doing the journey home, he comes across his servants that had left home to go and tell, to tell the nobleman, it's okay. The boy is healed. And so they meet. And when, when did the change take place? Oh, yesterday at about one o'clock. And so they went and they all believed together. What a miracle. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is for you. This is the, 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 the culmination of the message. When was the breakthrough? Here it is. When Jesus spoke the word and when the nobleman believed the word. That's the breakthrough. And here it is for your life. You want the breakthrough? Here it is. What happens when God speaks the word into your life? And you grab hold of that word and you believe it. And you believe it in such a way that everything in your life changes because the belief has penetrated into your heart. Friends, can I just say to you right now that God wants to speak a word of faith into your spirit and turn your circumstance around. But you've got to believe it. You've got to grab hold of it. Oh, well, I believe it when I see it. No, you first believe it and then you see it. I can't do that. I've not been trained. My mind is not trained like that. My, my brain is trained in such a way that first I've got to see it and then I'll believe it. Well, that's lack of faith. And with that sort of lack of faith, you'll never please God. And see, what's, what's, what's the problem with this world is that we've been indoctrinated with the wrong paradigm. See, science says, first you've got to see it, then you believe it. And so the whole paradigm of science is, we'll show you evidence, and then you believe. The paradigm of faith is, 
You've got to believe it, and then everything changes. See, how many of you, how many of you have seen God in person? I don't think anybody here has. How many of you have heard the audible voice of God? I mean, that's pretty rare. There might be one or two. I certainly haven't heard the audible voice of God. Well, how can you believe in God if you've not seen him or heard him? But I believe I've seen his evidence. I've seen his fingerprints. Wherever I go, I see the fingerprints of God. I mean, just yesterday while I was doing my 21K walk, I was enjoying the incredible creation of God. I'm looking around. I'm looking at beautiful flowers, and I'm saying, thank you, God. I'm listening to the birds singing in the trees, and I'm saying, thank you, God. I'm, I'm looking at the wind, well, looking, feeling the wind, looking at the surf, the waves, and I'm saying, thank you, God. Everything around me, for me, says, God, 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 design creation, design creation, beauty, nothing chaotic. But everything beautiful says, God, 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 God. For me, it's just so easy. But for so many people, it is just so, so difficult. And so they stay where they are. Can I just say to you, you want a breakthrough? You got to change your belief. You got to change your belief. Come on. It's time for you to hear what God is saying and change your belief system. Align what you believe to what God believes. And as soon as you begin to do that, you're open for a breakthrough. Can I just say, some of you, you need your eyes open to see that God's got your situation. Would you believe right now that God's got your situation? Some of you need, need revelation that God's got my situation. God's got my situation. God's got it right now. He's got it. Come on, how many of you need a breakthrough right now? How many of you? Come on, stand to your feet if you need a breakthrough, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your work, whether it be in your finances, whether it be in your health, you need a breakthrough because I want to speak a word into your life in the name of Jesus. If you need a breakthrough, a miracle, you need something to happen in your life. You know, no, I, this is just, just, just the musicians need this. The singers need this. Everybody needs this. Come on, I'm just going to speak right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you said in your word that when you speak, the earth shakes. And right now, Lord, I just speak a word of breakthrough into everybody's life. Everyone that's standing in, in desperation, needing breakthrough, needing something to happen in their life. I just speak the word of the Lord and it says, nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. Come on, I want you to articulate those words. Nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing, my situation is not too difficult for God. Begin to articulate that in the mighty name of Jesus. My situation is not too difficult for God. God is going to turn this thing around. I believe that God is able. I believe that God can turn this thing around. And right now, I speak breakthrough in Jesus' name. Breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus. Breakthrough. For those that are sick, I speak healing in the mighty name of Jesus. For those that need their finances turned around, I speak a breakthrough in the name of Jesus. For those, oh God, that have lost hope, I speak hope in the mighty name of Jesus. I say that there is nothing beyond God's power or God's ability. And today, I speak release. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Breakthrough is coming in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Let me just say a few things about belief. Because the whole essence of this story 
is your breakthrough is connected to what you believe. First thing I want to say about belief is what you believe either what you believe either leaves you where you are or opens the door to breakthrough. What you believe either leaves you where you are because nothing's changed. It's the same. Or opens the door to breakthrough. And one of the biggest battles that we have is the battle of the mind. See, some of, some of, you, some of you are just wondering what in the world is happening around the world today. It's the battle of the mind. Can I just say to you that the Bible is really implicit when it says in Ephesians 6 verse 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. How many of you believe that? And, and you've got to change your paradigm from thinking, your thinking that says it's flesh and blood, it's people that are behind the chaos that's in the world and understand it's not people, it's demonic forces. <gasps> what are you saying there? I'm, I'm telling you, how many of you have read the book This Present Darkness by, by Peretti? I, I think some of you need to read that again because what's happening in the world today are, are, are forces from the pit of hell unleashed to try to change the mindsets of this world because they know that their time is short. Jesus is coming. And the closing time, it's like, hey, earth, this is closing time. It's all over. And now those that are on the Lord's side go to be with the Lord. Those that are not on the Lord's side go to eternal punishment. How many of you know that day is coming? You say, John, you're being pretty harsh. I'm being a Bible preacher, friends. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And so, and so what it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, which is, I think, connected to Ephesians 6, 12, is for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And then Paul explains that these strongholds are thoughts, is belief. It's what's, what people believe, what people think. And we need to bring the thinking into captivity to align itself with obedience to Christ. And so here's what it is. It's either your thinking is aligned with the word of God or it's not aligned with the word of God. What's the standard of truth? Who has the standard of truth? You know, you want to measure three meters? How do you measure three meters? You get a standard that accurately measures three meters. And when you get that standard, you know what three meters is. How many of you have ever gone to a cloth shop to buy cloth? How many of you want to know that the person measuring the cloth has got an accurate scale so that you get exactly three meters of cloth and not two and a half meters? Because you'd be pretty upset. Or if you got ordered three meters and you get three and a half meters, you'd be happy, but they'd be ripped off. And so someone's got to lose if it's not accurate. But when something is accurate, it's accurate. So what is the measure of truth? Do you think the world has the measure of truth? They've got absolutely no clue. Why? Because their truth keeps changing. So what they thought was truth 50 years ago is now no longer truth. And they've got a new truth. And in 50 years time, what they think is truth will no longer be truth. They'll have another one. 
We have a standard that never changes. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Bible. This has done us well for thousands of years, and it will continue to do us well. Why? Because it's the Word of God. And so this is my choice. And my choice is that I've decided, here it is, I'll say it again. I've decided to align my thinking and my belief with the Word of God. Has anybody else done that? If you have, come on, give the Lord a great big shout of praise. And so this is the battle that we have. We've got a whole bunch of people out there that have not aligned their thinking with the Word of God. And so, of course, they're going to oppose us. Of course, there's going to be crazy stuff out there. But we've got to make a stand and say, you know what? We're just going to keep saying what God says. That's it. So, so just this past week, I mean, we, we were shocked to hear that Barcelona got attacked by crazy Islamic fundamentalists. And you say, oh, you use that word. Yeah, they are Islamic fundamentalists. But they have a belief system. And this is what they truly believe. Because, because sanity says, I mean, even people that haven't aligned themselves with the Word of God that are just sane would say, that's crazy. Why in the world would someone drive a van 80 kilometers an hour looking for children and people to run over? Well, this is why, because they honestly believe that they were running over infidels. They honestly believe that if they kill infidels, they'll get a free pass to paradise. They honestly believe that. How many of you know that that is crazy thinking? That's mad thinking, but that's what they believe. See, see, a lot of the stuff that happens today is out of wrong thinking. So, so here it is. We believe that when a baby is conceived in the womb, it becomes a living human being. And so what you do if you believe that is you do everything in, the, in, in your capacity to protect that little baby that's developing in a womb, because that's what you believe. But if you're taught that it's not a human being, if you're taught that that, that that fetus is just a bit of flesh, if you're taught that it's got no soul, it's got no spirit, it's just a little bit of flesh, then you have absolutely no problems in getting rid of it. And then especially when it's sugar-coated with it's your choice. It's a woman's body, it's her choice. And so we come from a perspective of saying, of all the people that God felt would protect the baby the most, it would be mothers. And you're saying, but John, you don't know. There are people maybe in this church that have, that, that, that have had these procedures and they'll get offended by this. I'm trying to be as loving and as kind as possible, but I can't allow my voice to be gagged out of fear of, 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 maybe, of, of, of maybe someone being offended with what I'm saying. Because... The fear of offense is blocking us from saying the truth. And the thing that so impacted me this week was the quote that says this, when the church loses its voice, society loses its conscience. And so it's so important that our voice have the right tone. And the tone is a tone of love. But never... To lose our voice. So can I say it in love? You know, there's, there's nothing that God cannot forgive. There's, there's, there's no sin that God can't forgive. 
But let's not just say, because God is a loving God, he'll just accept anything because that's not the case. I, I think we can all agree that suicide is a bad thing. I think if there's, whether you be on the left, whether you be on the right, I think everybody can agree on this one thing. Suicide is not a good thing. But again, it's connected to wrong thinking. And what's the wrong thinking? The wrong thinking is death is a better alternative to life. Everyone that suicides believes that. Death is the better alternative to life. And how many of you know that's totally wrong thinking? Incidentally, just last week, someone came up to me and said, you know that word that you had about, about that person ready to commit suicide? That was me. And that word that you gave me stopped me from doing it. Come on. Come on. And so we've followed up, duty of care followed up, and Anne's followed up, and we're looking after that family, protecting them from wrong thinking that says death is a better alternative than life. No, your problem is a shocking problem. But can I just say that that problem has a use-by date. It comes and it goes. But death is final. Just let me say one more thing. What you believe determines your path in life. What you believe determines your path in life. Matthew 7.13 says, Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. They've got no idea that that pathway is leading to destruction. They're on it because they honestly believe that it's the right road. (laughs) What do you say to people that honestly believe that they're on the right road when you know that it is the wrong road all you can do is pray for them you know I I feel desperate at times just saying you're on the wrong road that road leads to destruction and Jesus was exactly the same because he's the one that articulated that and we're surrounded by people that are on the wrong road and their belief system puts them on that road and they think it's It's a great road. They think it's an awesome road. But you know what loving people do? They come alongside graciously and say, hey, you know what? Have you thought about this road that you're on? Because there's another road and his name is Jesus. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's a narrow road. There aren't as many people on it, but that's the right road. So why don't you consider Jesus? Because everything that Jesus came to do was to encourage people to believe in him. And the road that leads to eternal life is through the gateway of Jesus. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, the altogether lovely one who gave his life on the cross that we might have eternal life. And everything that he tried to do was to get us to believe, to believe in him, to believe in him, to believe in him, to believe in him. And that's what you've come here to hear, a message of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a preacher that loves the word of God, I can do nothing else but point you to Jesus and say, you know what, he's your answer. He's your breakthrough. He's your breakthrough. Turn to Jesus. Follow him. Obey him. Accept him. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do 
you believe that? What do you believe? What do you believe? Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.